welcome back to another edition of Monday Madness Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein, here talking the latest in Chicago sports and beyond. So let's get us started today with episode 214, all the way from Harper College Radio to Radio DePaul Sports. Glad to be back here pre-recording in my own home. As the last two episodes was at 88.3 FM, but now we're back. So I would say the basics. So let's do it here on September 20th, 2021. All right, all right, all right. Let's get it going. I just made an apple appointment to go to the store to get my MacBook fixed for three and a half years. I think it's been more since like Harper days. It's been like actually like four, over four years that I have never been able to use my MacBook without a charger. It's ridiculous. So today I have finally found the motivation to get it fixed, which is great because that means I could take my laptop anywhere and get a show done anywhere. But my favorite place is to do it is here. You're at uh, the beautiful sanction of my basement. And you gotta love it. So I gotta get this show done within two hours because I got an appointment in about two and a half hours. So let's get it going. Let's talk about what I want to get done today. And that's gonna start off with week two of NFL action. I'm most likely gonna start every show now with NFL action considering baseball season's almost over. Well, the regular season per se. And then Obviously, we got a lot going on with the Bears and some thoughts behind what happened yesterday in the Bengals game. So I really want to get that done first because I want to, you know, kind of gather my thoughts and just lay them all down on the table. And then we'll get into some baseball. We got some great playoff push action. Not as close as it was last week because last week the AL wild card and the NL wild card was so much more close. But now that the Cardinals got hot and the Yankees are kind of falling out on the map. They're now a game and a half back, which is still really close. But like I always say, trends kind of define what you might see later on. But when you follow the trends, that's when entertainment becomes the most valuable because the unexpected can happen. Uh, So we'll talk about that, talk about baseball, um, and then the White Sox as well. I don't really got much to say about the Cubs. I really had a really strong rant on the Cubs from last week um, because uh, I I just wanted to say my thoughts on the Cubs and Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, and the possibilities of them coming back and what I want to see them um, if they do come back. But uh, I won't talk about the Cubs today. Um, I just want to get White Sox because obviously they're going to be in the playoffs, so uh, the continuation of that. And then at the end of the show today, I want to get into some UFC action because this upcoming weekend we have a stacked, and I mean stacked, card coming up for you guys um, it is a very good card, and I'm going to get into it later on in the show. Also, this past weekend, we had a good fight night between Anthony Smith and Denard Spann, so we'll get into that and much, much more here on the 214th edition of Monday Madness Sports Talk. Back in just a bit. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to the 214th edition of Monday Matter Sports Talk here on September 20th, 2021. So let's get it going with the football segment today. This is Audion featuring Lady Antebellum, Something Better. So I would say we saw something better with the performance of the Chicago Bears yesterday with their win over the Cincinnati Bengals at their home opener at Soldier Field by a score of 20-17. to 17. Now at the end of the game, got a little frisky, if you may say. Uh, the defense definitely won the game for the Chicago Bears yesterday, and that's no lie. But you can also not um, underestimate the... I would say average performance from Justin Fields, and uh, that was right after Andy Dalton, the starter, got injured. Uh, unfortunately, I, I obviously don't want any any Bears player to get injured, nor any player at all in the NFL. I hate watching injuries. I think that's the worst element of sport is injuries, but that's what it comes with. And... Um, for anyone who is glad that Dalton got injured just for the sake of uh, Justin Fields, then uh, um, shame on you is what I have to say on that. I, I hate it when people say, oh, thank God uh, Ju- uh, Andy Dalton got injured because now we could see Justin Fields. No, you would you would have seen Justin Fields regardless. And even that, Andy Dalton was playing fantastic. I thought he was playing pretty well up until that point. And that touchdown throw um, to... Who was Allen Robinson was a great throw. Um, there wasn't a three and out yet this season until Justin Fields came in and had his first drive of the season. His first full drive was that three and out. So there are some things that I feel like Justin Fields knows, the coaching staff knows, and I think the fan base knows that there are some weaknesses in Justin Fields' game. That, of course, will be fixed with experience, right? And, of course, practice and film watching. The thing that I think Justin Fields had a problem with is, I I, I mean, as great of a runner he is, I feel like that was his number one choice when he felt like he was in trouble. And that's great, but I just don't want to see him get injured. That's just my main concern. Every single time Justin Fields runs... I, I, my heart stops, you know, I'm like, don't get injured, don't get injured, because that's what happened with Dalton, he got injured, but yet he is an older-bodied athlete, so maybe that had something to do with his knee injury, um, but, or obviously maybe just an awkward step, and that's just the awkward step you don't want to see Justin Fields take at this point uh, of his career, you don't want to see um, anything bad happen, and uh, I think that's just been a mantra in Chicago sports is just injuries at the beginning of someone's illustrious career, and uh, Derek Rose becomes the first person in my mind, and I hate to remind everyone that, but uh, I remember my heartbreak when I saw that happen. Um, so some great things that we saw from Justin Fields was his pass accuracy. There's a couple passes that weren't great, but that's natural for a young quarterback. Um, there were a couple passes, a couple, one to Darnell Mooney and one to Allen Robinson, especially in the end zone, that they could have caught. And when they don't catch those balls, it leads to Justin Fields' confidence levels kind of going down a little bit. 
But at the same time, Justin Fields has to know that that was a great throw. There's nothing he can do about his receiver not being able to catch a great throw. Um, there was great coverage on Allen Robinson, and there was some adequate coverage on Darnell Mooney. Um, but you got to think to yourself is let's get, let's see these players get used to Justin Fields more. And um, right now, um, another negative on Justin Fields, I think is he's a little he's a little impulsive. I I mean the the two false start penalties on him was great examples. I mean, when was the last time you saw a false start penalty on a quarterback? Not not too, uh, how many times do you see it? It's very it, it's not it doesn't happen often. It's usually the O line or the defensive line that is called for a false start or a wide out. Um, but instead it was Justin Fields because he was asking for the ball but he didn't get the ball. But those are the common frustrations of a quarterback with their with their center when they can't get the ball when they need it. Justin Fields got confused, and that's just a rookie mistake. And he's a rookie, so you gotta you gotta at least admit those are some rookie mistakes that should be made in order to learn from. And um, it's great that he was able to learn some rookie mistakes in a win, right? You know, Justin Fields was still able to maintain the win, and that's great. But it was all the defense yesterday with the Chicago Bears. They had like 22 fantasy. If you had the Bears defense on your fantasy team, they gave you just the amount that you would get from a wide receiver. I got negative one points yesterday from the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. So if that doesn't say enough, I really wish I had the Chicago Bears defense. So um, that was great performance by them. They were shutting them out until uh, the late parts of the third quarter. Um, and that's fine. But then you have saw Justin Fields throw his first interception because of the pressure that he was put under, and I think that impulsiveness factor came into that play. Um, but, you know, that that's just my take on Justin Fields' um, approach so far as a quarterback. Uh, he, he did a great job escaping the pocket at some points. Dalton was doing the same thing when he was on the field, and that was the one thing I was noticing with Dalton was him escaping the pocket was really good. Like, he did a great job with his uh, field awareness and everything of that nature. And that's something to be very proud about watching um, a, a quarterback that you're paying $10 million this year and uh, you, need, you need him to perform. So it's just unfortunate that he got injured in the time that he did because he was playing so well. And I was just hoping to see more Dalton because I was actually entertained by Dalton. And uh, um, so that being said, I think all of the – aside from Justin Fields, I think all the attention – is deservedly given to the defense. And this defense with their three interceptions and the craziest stat of the day was um, up until the first interception, Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow hadn't thrown an interception in 200 pass attempts until that point. And he threw straight three straight interceptions after that, which is that stat is one in a million. That's got to be one in a million. If you think about one in 200, it'd be probably 200 squared. So if you think about the the odds of that, so 200 times 200 would be one in 40,000 for it to happen two times in a row. 40,000 times 200 is 8 million. So one in 8 millionth. That's the odds of that happening after 200 straight pass attempts were not thrown for an interception, yet then three straight pass attempts were it was an interception. So the chances of that happening specifically to Joe Burrow was one in eight millionth. 
That's crazy. That's a crazy stat. So um, glad that I was able to get those numbers up for you because that that sounds about accurate there with the the oddity of that situation. But um, for that to happen with the Bears defense, for them to shut them down, Khalil Mack had a great great sack at the uh, beginning of the third quarter. I thought Robert Quinn had a great day. Akeem Hicks was uh, pretty effective as well. Um, I thought Eddie Jackson played pretty decent. Uh, it was all around was great. The secondary form, which was uh, a huge, huge concern to me last week and everybody of last week was pretty good. Um, there was a couple times where the Joe Burrow threw deep and the secondary slanted too early because they thought that the um, the wideout was going to slant back. Whether it didn't, they just kept going straight. But Joe Burrow just missed his passes. So I, I guess maybe on a couple of scenarios, the Bears got lucky with their secondary. But overall, I think it was a good it was a good game. It, I mean, there's nothing else to, to say about the defense other than they were effective. And when you have an effective defense and you have an effective quarterback to the likings of Dalton in that game yesterday and Fields, you always have a chance to win. And the Bears got the win, which was huge. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Silver linings from that is great. You know, I think carried over well from last week because we, we saw last week the Bears' potential against the Rams. And I think the Bears sought out that potential in yesterday's game. Yet, I think the Bengals aren't a playoff team, so I want to see that the uh, Bears, with their next week's matchup against the Browns, is going to be a much better representation of what this Bears team is truly made of. Um, especially against Baker Mayfield and against great wideouts like Landry. I think Landry might be injured, though, so that might be different. Um, So we'll see about that. Um, And then, obviously, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, We'll we'll, we'll see how that kind of progresses. But, yeah, Jarvis Landry has a sprained MCL, which is week to week, so you got to – Sprint, you do you don't want to mess with the sprint MCL. So you're my my prediction is Jarvis Landry will not be playing next week. Um, maybe the week after, but we never know. Um, but uh, that's uh, also Baker Mayfield almost had his shoulder injured injured in yesterday's game. So for him to put himself in front of a very very strong Bears defense from the week prior, you got to think that Baker Mayfield might be a little nervous to face the Bears next week. Uh, so who knows? Um, so that is that for that. <laughs> um, so let's look at some other scores in the NFL. Um, before we do that, we do got one more game left, and that is tonight against the Green Bay Packers is that of the Detroit Lions in Lambeau in Green Bay. Um, will that terrible performance last week from Aaron Rodgers be mirrored this week? I doubt it, um, but it would be nice to see that. Now, I made a theory last week that I got some backlash on, and that was that uh, Aaron Rodgers purposely let that game go last week um, in that he wanted to prove to the front office something that, you know, because there's maybe some discourse between him and the front office. But uh, I've been thinking about that theory, and it might still be accurate. But, I mean, I was talking to one of my closest Green Bay Packers fans um, and they were saying, you know, how competitive Aaron Rodgers is. And, yes, it is very obvious how competitive he is and how bad he wants to win. Um, but it didn't look like he wanted to win that game. It was so bad. It was so bad. It's either that he was so bad or he did it on purpose. And you better hope that he did it on purpose. Because, like, if he, if he was really that bad, then, like, this week, you better look 
to see him make some improvements because the reigning MVP should not be playing like what he did last week against the New Orleans Saints. And the Saints didn't even have a great game this week. So the the fact of the matter is is that Aaron Rodgers didn't take advantage of a weaker New Orleans team that, that was from last year. Um, yeah, the Saints lost 26-7 to against the Panthers. So that's going to begin our scoring um, reviews from this week. Uh, so 26-7 to was the Panthers against the Saints. Uh, some notables was a great game between the Washington um, football team against the New York Giants, 30-29 to in favor of Washington, um, which was a crazy game for Thursday night football. Two straight crazy game for Thursday night football, and another crazy game last night for Sunday night. Last night was an unbelievable game between uh, the, the Ravens and Chiefs, a one-point game. 36 to 35, an unbelievable game by my very own fantasy quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Just wasn't enough for me to get the win against our very own James Jefferson. Congratulations, James. You beat me this week in fantasy just because I didn't start a certain player. It's okay. We'll get him next week. Uh, Patrick Mahomes did have another good game. He went three, 343 yards for three touchdowns. That's an amazing game. Yet, Lamar Jackson, 239 yards in the air and over 100 yards on the ground with one touchdown and two rushing. Unbelievable game from Lamar Jackson. Um, That's just what you want to see from a a quarterback um, that is mobile. Uh, And (laughs) over 100 yards, that's an average amount. Um, Usually for a running back, that's more than the average for an average running back, uh, which is nuts to me. Um, Titans and Seahawks, 33-30. to in overtime yesterday in Seattle. So Titans able to get it done in Seattle. Now the Titans are one and one. Titans, they look pretty good this season. They have they have they have potential, if you may say. Another great game was the Cardinals and Vikings. 34 to 33 in favor of the Cardinals. Um I'm really enjoying these close games uh that we're seeing. Especially um you got the Cowboys and Chargers. Cowboys winning 20-17. to 17. Um, Buccaneers, easy win for them against the Falcons, 48-25. Bears, as we mentioned, 20-17. to 17. Patriots beating the Jets, 25-6. to 6. Um, Bills, recovering from last week's loss by shutting out the Miami Dolphins, 35 to nothing. Rams and Colts, a great game there, 27-24. It was. Um, it was a back-and-forth battle there in Indianapolis. And then the Broncos and Jaguars. Broncos beating them 23-13. 49ers and Eagles 17-11 in favor of the 49ers. Browns and Texans. Browns beating them 31-21. And Steelers and Raiders 26-17 in Pittsburgh in favor of the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders are looking good to me. Raiders are looking real good this season. And um, I'd I'd watch out for them. That's That's a team that's kind of under the radar kind of good um Derek Carr looks pretty pretty remarkable this season so so that's just the scoring of the of of this past week in the NFL looking forward to next week a great Bears game for um Sunday at 12 um and I think a great game between the Panthers and Texans for Thursday night football hopefully that's a good game and I mean Panthers looking to stay undefeated and the Texans just I don't know, man. Just sell the team there. Um, 
And anything, any other main games to look forward to next week? I think the Buccaneers-Rams game in L.A. is going to be a great one. That's a cross-country matchup right there. Packers and 49ers uh, would be a good one. That's Sunday Night Football and NFC Championship rematch um, from a couple years back. So that will be interesting. Um, And then you got Seahawks-Vikings. That's a good one. Um... And then, yeah, I'm just looking forward to a good week of football for week three next week. Um, And then we'll move on from there, and then we'll talk about that. And that will be a show on 88.3 FM next week for week three of NFL action. With that being said, final thoughts on the Bears. Um, Solid win. A little scary at the end. I think you got to avoid that. Matt Nagy making play calls still makes me nervous. Um, I know a lot of fans want him fired. They asked for too much. They asked for too much with Justin Fields starting. I think some Bears fans just need to calm down. I'm sorry. Hate me if you must, but just, like, let the season happen. If anything bad goes wrong, root for the bad things to go wrong so that maybe Matt Nagy does get fired. If that's really what you hope for, then do it. But, yes, I agree. Matt Nagy making play calls and doing some things makes me nervous. But he's now an experienced head coach, and maybe he can make some strides otherwise. But, honestly, I see Matt Nagy as a college coach. He's a good motivator. He's a good team player, and maybe he could become a college coach one day beyond the NFL. And he's still kind of young in that regard. So, um, yeah, we'll see. But for that, I will move on to the next segment. This is the 214th edition of Monday Mana Sports Talk here on September 20th, 2021. Be back with some baseball coming up. Stay tuned. Here we go with the next segment of today's show here on the 214th Let's get it going with the finale of what's to come for the baseball season. We're getting close. We're getting really close. That was nothing stopping me now. The Oil Hansen remix from that of Vicetone and Cat Nestel. So let's get it going with some base ball and talk playoff push. Because playoff push, September baseball, unlike any kind of baseball, you know, considering that everyone has just played a 162-game season. And will that 162-game season be worth anything for any of these teams? And, um... I think the shorter answer for some of these teams are no, because they're working so hard. They make some specific trades to make the playoffs, but then it doesn't work out at the end, and yet they don't make it. And I think all the pressure, if any of the wildcard teams have any significant pressure on them right now, it's the New York Yankees. Bar none. They have one of the highest payrolls in baseball and had one of the busiest trade deadline moves with acquiring Anthony Rizzo and and way more than that, too. It wasn't just Anthony Rizzo. I'm just focused on Anthony Rizzo because if the Yankees lose and they don't make the playoffs, the Cubs automatically win that trade. They just stole some top prospects from the Yankees, and now Anthony Rizzo is a, is a free agent, and yet Rizzo can obviously resign with the Yankees, but regardless... He has to resign with the Yankees. He can resign with anyone else. So that's that's where I'm trying to get at. You're more likely going to resign with the Yankees 
if you're on them originally, but that's up to Anthony Rizzo. So that being said, the Yankees have all the pressure on them in terms of the wild card, and yet they have some hot teams in front of them. They have right behind them a game, a half game behind them, Oakland Athletics in a five-game winning streak, um, two games behind on the wild card, and in front of them they got the or uh, not the Orioles. What, what am I saying? The Orioles are nowhere to be found. Um, Toronto Blue Jays are the second holder of the wild card spot, and then the Boston Red Sox are the first. Um, they are game in front. The Boston Red Sox are for the home field's advantage, and the Toronto Blue Jays are about a game and a half in front of the Yankees, and the Yankees have a series coming up against the Rangers, and then Toronto has a series coming up against the Rays. So if you think about it, Toronto's got a tougher opponent, but if Toronto wants to prove that they are a playoff team this year, they got to beat these tough opponents. Now the Yankees, on the other hand, um, I, I, I think they are a playoff team. They're just not playing like a playoff team at some points in the season, and when you don't do that more than more often than not, you're not going to make the playoffs, and um, I think that's the theme of, of being able to stay consistent, making the playoffs, and being able to stay effective from Game 1 to Game 162, and that was the problem with the Chicago Cubs, um, is that when they went on that 11-game losing streak, they didn't see the, the, the value of their core being that they couldn't make the playoffs at that time. That's why they traded them all, and they wanted to build for the future, and they know that just as well, anybody can come back at the end of the season. So, um... That all being said, um, let's look at our other wild card race. Not as close. It is the Los Angeles Dodgers, 16 games in front for the home field advantage. They have clinched that spot uh, in the wild card. So they, the the wild card game will probably be in San Francisco or in L.A. because the L.A. Dodgers are a game back of the San Francisco Giants for the NL West. So that is a very intense division right now with the Dodgers and and uh, Giants. So uh, Dodgers, no, none of those teams are worried, worried about the wild card. They're worried about winning their division. But then you got the St. Louis Cardinals, three games in front of the Reds, and three and a half games in front of the Phillies and, and uh, Padres. And the St. Louis Cardinals just finished off, you may say, polished off a sweep at home against the Padres. Probably their biggest series win of the season and it was against a team that wasn't even in their own division. So the St. Louis Cardinals, huge win against them. And then you could see the Milwaukee Brewers are 12 games in front of them in the Central. you got to think that the Brewers now are going to win the Central Division. It should be a no-brainer with that. And then you got the Atlanta Braves in the NL East, 77-70. and 70. But then you got the Philadelphia Phillies about... Just as much as they're out of the uh, in a wild card, they're out of their own division by about three, three and a half. Um, so this chase is getting interesting, most likely in the NL West, and then it could get interesting in the NL East um, with about um, two weeks left, if you may say, like less than two weeks left. So by the time that it's next week, we'll be able to make my playoff predictions. But uh, right now, um, it's too tight in the NL West to make a prediction. And it's too tight, and um, you would say, let's look at the American League standings as the Rays are 6.5 in in front of Boston. I think the Rays should be running um, away with the AL East. Central, White Sox, 11 in front of the the Indians, um, soon to be called Guardians. I might as well just start getting used to that. Um, The... 
magic number for that is four for the White Sox. And uh, the Indians today have a series, uh, have a two-game set. Um, so that being said, the if the White Sox win and the Cleveland Indians lose two, that number could go down to one. But I'm expecting the White Sox to clinch in Cleveland in the coming days. Um, let's look at the AL West. AL West, Houston Astros are six in front of the uh, Athletics, expecting the Houston Astros to win that division. Their uh, magic number is eight for that division. Um, and then magic number for the Tampa Bay Rays is six. Let's look at the magic numbers for the NL East. It is uh, 13 for the Braves, so they're actually two games in front of the Phillies. So if anything, the Phillies are chasing the NL East rather than the NL Wilds card, but it'll be nice if the Phillies can um, obviously gain ground in either of those two. NL Central, Milwaukee is in front 11.5. Their magic number is three. Um, but uh, this is a very interesting uh, situation in the NL West. Dodgers are one game behind the San Francisco Giants, which means that with roughly 12 games left in the the in the season, their magic number is 12. Um, so that all said, that is the current chase situation. Let's talk about the Chicago White Sox here um, as I'm uh, going to conclude the baseball segment here very, very soon. Um, White Sox, are they contenders? Are they true? Will they make the World Series? My answer is maybe. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say yes or no to that because I don't want any any White Sox fans to get mad at me. But I, I I do think that there are better options in the American League than rather that the White Sox. I hope that the White Sox would be considered certainly a better option than the Yankees, Blue Jays, or Red Sox because the Rays, in my eyes, are going to make the World Series. Um, that seems just well-rounded. I, I just got to say, I like the look of the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Houston Astros, I got. I mean, I know that the White Sox will probably be playing the Astros in the American League Division Series, and it looks as though the Houston Astros will get home field advantage in that series. So with the White Sox having trouble on the road against good teams, they need to fix that up right now. And if they can, they could have a great chance against the Houston Astros. But I feel like that game, that series would go five games. That I mean, you're also having some late injuries. Michael Kopech just got injured for the White Sox. And um, you, you got to pay attention to the injuries with this White Sox team because now they cannot afford it. This whole season for the White Sox have been injury prone. So that being said, it, they're, they, they've got to they've got to just stay healthy at the end of this stretch. Maybe bench some players now, knowing that the White Sox will be in the uh, the playoffs. I would just start benching players if I were you. I would I would bench you, Leigh Jimenez, Tim Anderson, even Jose Abreu, Grandal, especially. Um, you do not want the you want these guys fresh. The fresher the White Sox, this White Sox team are, the more dangerous they are. Because you have not seen them in full fledged freshness. And if you haven't seen them like that, they honestly could be better contenders than that of the Tampa Bay Rays. And that's exactly why I say maybe. As long as this White Sox team stays fresh, you never know what they this team can be capable of. And it's also baseball. Anything can happen in baseball. We all know that. If you're if you pay attention to baseball very closely, you know. Anything can happen. So um, that all being said, um, 
it's very, very likely that the White Sox will make the ALCS. And I'm thinking that it will be against the Rays. I hope it's against the Rays because that'll be a fun series. Um, even the Toronto Blue Jays uh, could be that uh, an option. Um, but with that being said, White Sox, I think, have a solid chance at making the post, um, making it far in the postseason. They just got to stay fresh. And um, you got a manager at their home that has solid postseason experience with Tony Larusa. So you've got to be patient with that. And you have to be at the least confident with what your team has to offer and with the White Sox, you got to be confident. And I think you got to be confident with this White Sox team this year. But if they do make the World Series, well, I, I think that's the goal this year. If they make the World Series, and even if they lose, you got a team that can make the World Series, and that's the most important thing. And this White Sox South Side um, culture is rich. Um, I was at the White Sox game last week, and I, I came with a Chicago Cubs hat on. Um, wasn't the best idea, but it was fun nonetheless to get um, yelled at by White Sox fans, especially when Eli Jimenez chose to throw his warm-up ball to me. He threw it to me, and I caught it, and everyone got mad at me because I had a, I had a Cubs hat on, um, and my whole section was mad at me. But I was there for Shohei Otani when the White Sox were facing the Angels, and unfortunately Shohei went 0 for, what, 4 that game with a walk? Um... And at least I got to see him live, and that's what I was happy about. Um, but was happy, nonetheless, to get a ball from Eloy Jimenez. So I'm always out to catch baseballs. And just like Zach Campbell, one of my favorite YouTubers out there who catches baseballs at every single stadium each year, I like to catch baseballs anywhere I try to go. Um, and that, yeah, that's what I love to do. Love snagging balls. Uh, so with that being said, I'm going to leave the – this segment on that note, uh, as we are now approaching the final segment of the day today, and it's a segment that I haven't been able to talk about much in the past month, but it is MMA UFC talking UFC events from this past weekend and a great event coming up this upcoming weekend. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Cannot wait. Let's get to it here on the 214th edition of Monday Man of Sports Talk. Be back in just a bit. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Madness here on September 20th, 2021. And now I'm all here for it. It is the last segment, and it is UFC MMA. And this is Hermitude and the Buzz featuring Mataya and Haji Beats. The Buzz would be... Probably my, if I was in the UFC or any MMA organization, this would be my intro song. Definitely. Uh, that's why I chose it. So here we go with the last segment of today as we are now going to get into the nitty gritty of to this weekend's event, which will be UFC 266 at the T-Mobile Arena on pay-per-view. It is Alexander Volkanovsky against Brian Ortega for the featherweight championship of the world. But before I get into that, let's talk about this past weekend. It was UFC Fight Night Smith versus Span. I did not get to watch this event, but 
as far as I'm concerned. Anthony Smith and Ryan Spann. It wasn't Denard Spann. I don't know why I said Denard. I think maybe that was his previous name. I said Denard Spann at the beginning of the show, but I think that might have been his like, previous name or something. I don't know. Or somebody else's name that I'm thinking of. Probably is that that's the case. Um, he, um, he faced Anthony Smith in the light heavyweight main event. Anthony Smith making a comeback as he as he possibly can, as he did submit Ryan Spann in the first round. And apparently there is some bad blood between these two. I think Ryan Spann um, said some stuff to, to Anthony Smith that Anthony Smith didn't like or something of that nature. And, uh, you know, that stuff happens in the UFC. And you got to like the bad blood stuff, but... Um, if there's bad blood, not don't don't submit him, knock him out. But he did submit him, and that's okay. That's just part of the sport. Um, so Anthony Smith making his way back in the lightweight light heavyweight rankings, light heavyweight as well. There was a co-main event there: Ian Kutilaba against Devin Clark. Ian Kutilaba getting the three-round decision, and honestly, Kutilaba against Smith could be a really good fight. Um, coming down to it because Kute Laba is also a very good up-and-comer so I think that could be the next big fight also considering they fought on the same night and now they can both be at the same level of um I would say high level of conditioning to face each other next so that would be interesting so this upcoming weekend is just the more interesting and I'm really looking forward to this event I'll be watching it full-fledged um, it's an automatic purchase for me in terms of pay-per-view buy. Let's look at the uh, early prelims because it all starts right there. Main The main fights in the early prelims, there's five of them. Um, Carl Robinson's coming at middleweight against Nick Maximov, and that's going to be a great... I think that's your main event in the prelims there, pre-prelims, if you may say. Let's look at the regular prelims. Uh, some really good fights here. Roxanne Mataferi starting the early prelims off right against Tyla Santos. Mataferi is a great fighter. She's one of the underrated women flyweights. And it's because she's got a 25 and 19 record, but I would say she's the best, I would say, developing fighter you 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 can look up to as a women flyweight fighter. Heavyweight, we got Shamil Abdurakimov against Chris Dawkins. Chris Dawkins at 11 and 3, and Dawkins being one of the younger fighters in the UFC. Um, has got a lot to give in the UFC. And if he could get this big win at heavyweight, Chris Dawkins could um, be one of the big up-and-comers in the heavyweight division. Lightweight matchup. This is going to be a good one. Dan Hooker going to come off of his loss, um, his really brutal loss from about, um, was it six months ago? Against, um, who was it against? I my, my brain just farted here. Yeah, it was uh, Michael Chandler who beat Dan Hooker. Um, that was, uh, yeah, was that six months ago? That was like nine months ago, actually. That was UFC 257. So that was a long ways away from what was, um, so he's coming back for that. So let's see if, um, Dan Hooker can do that against Nasrat Hakparast. And uh, Nasrat is another great fighter on the come up right now. And I think, uh, Nasrat is on a, um, a winning streak. Yeah, he beat Rafa Garcia by decision. Uh, it's UFC fight night between Edwards and Muhammad. That was in March. And then uh, Drew Dubber did beat Nasrat. Um, that was by knockout in the first round, but that was a long ways away. That was January 18th, 2020. Um, and then Nasrat did beat um, Alex Munoz um, after that loss about on August 8th. So, um, 
Let's see how that matchup plays out, because that's a really interesting preliminary card matchup right there, and then it just only gets interesting from there. You got um, Marlon Moraes against Marab Devalishvili. Um, I'm rooting for Marab. Marab's one of my favorite Bantamweight fighters um, in the game right now, and uh, this dude's got it. He's got the whole package, man, and um, I'm really excited to see what he's got against a guy like Marlon Marai. Uh That is the featured bout in the Bantamweight division that night, so uh, looking forward to a really good one in that regard. Let's look at the um, main card for UFC 266 because it just gets very, very interesting from here. Jessica Andrade against Cynthia Calvillo. That's a good one right there. I think that's your main event for women's fights in um, the card because from there you got heavyweight Curtis Blades against Jarzina Rosenstrike. Curtis Blades losing his last fight against another knockout specialist in Derek Lewis. But can Curtis Blades make up for that against Jarzina Rosenstrike? Curtis Blades needs to go to the wrestling here. Obviously, we all know Curtis Blades. NJCAA champion from our very own Harper College, and I'll get a chance to talk about it on the 88.3 FM, and hopefully next week on 88.3 FM Harper College Radio, we can cover a Curtis Blades win. So that'll be huge, because Curtis Blades did go to Harper College, and he did um, train out of Midwest Training Center um, in Schaumburg, so that is very important. I think it's Hoffman Estates, if I'm correct. Um, anyways, regardless, still a Chicago area fighter. If you're a Chicago sports fan, you better be rooting for Curtis Blades in this one. Um, he's 14-3, and three, yet he got um, brutally knocked out by Derek Lewis. That does not deplete the fact, though, that Curtis Blades can make a comeback route, and that starts with Jarzino Rosenstrike. Welterweight matchup. This one is 12 years in the making. A rematch fight and the return of Nick Diaz. Oh boy, oh boy. I am so excited for this. Uh, Last time Nick Diaz fought was in 2015. That was UFC 183, and that was against Anderson Silva. So uh, I can only imagine the uh, intro and the roar that Nick Diaz will be greeted to to the Team Mobile Arena on Saturday night. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to just be there for Nick Diaz. That's how good this fight is. And uh, Nick Diaz went five rounds against, I would say, the GOAT, George St. Pierre. And um, Nick Diaz lost to now Carlos Condit, the now um, retired Carlos Condit. So big news coming out of the UFC this past week. Carlos Condit has retired after a 12-year career. So one of the... One one of the best to not win a belt is Carlos Condit. So congratulations, Carlos Condit, on an amazing UFC career. Um, nothing to be ashamed of, even without a champion. He is a champion in his own ways. Um, and in 2011, BJ Penn Nick was against Nick Diaz. It's actually a rematch 15 years in the making because guess what? Um, Robbie Lawler is the opposition that Nick Diaz has to face. Actually, 17. I got to get my years straight. Because the last time this matchup happened, Robbie Lawler fought Nick Diaz at UFC 47. And now, over 200 UFC events later, at UFC 266, Nick Diaz will be fighting Robbie Lawler. And that was an amazing fight. Nick Diaz won that by knockout. And now these two are developed. Obviously, it's been 17 years. It was before the White Sox won the World Series. That's how long ago it was. 
2004, April 1st, Nick Diaz beat Robbie Lawler. And now they're fighting again in 2021. And it's an actual UFC event. It's crazy to me. So this fight, I honestly, is one of my as my personal main event is the Nick Diaz Robbie Lawler fight. Last time Robbie Lawler fight was in 2020, and that was UFC Fight Night um, 175, and that was against Neil Magny, where Neil Magny won by decision. Before that, Robbie Lawler lost to Kobe Covington and Ben Askren. How did he lose to Ben Askren? I don't know. Uh, I love you, Ben Askren, but I just God, God, I mean. You're a wrestler, man. I, I cannot see you striking. Um, Robbie Lawler beat Donald Cerrone. He's lost to Rafael Dos Anjos. But a great matchup, nonetheless, for the returning Nick Diaz. Um, so that is my personal main event. Um, this upcoming Saturday, is the uh, that's the third string main event, is the return of Nick Diaz. It's going to be incredible. I am so excited. It is going to be fireworks, to say the least. Let's move on to, um, got to get my UFC event page back up here. Um, the next fight on the card, which is actually the real women's main event in this fight. It's uh, Valentina Shevchenko coming back to defend her belt against Lauren Murphy. And Valentina Shevchenko, last time she lost, was against Amanda Nunez. And uh, my money's on Shevchenko, obviously. I don't know what the odds are for this fight. Honestly, let's look them up because usually the odds for Valentina Shevchenko is relatively high. Um, I know I'll be making some bets on um, Saturday night, and all bets are placed on DraftKings for me. That's my personal um, betting site. So let's uh, look at the odds for this fight. Um, Valentina Shevchenko, as predicted, is above a negative 1,000. She's actually favored negative 1,375, and Lauren Murphy is a plus 800. So why not place your bets on Lauren Murphy? But no, don't do it. You never, never, ever bet against Valentina Shevchenko. Um, but what's crazy is the Nick Diaz-Robbie Lawler fight, they're both at a negative 110 because we don't know what to expect from either of these two. It's going to stay at a negative 110 for both of these guys. I don't know what to expect from Larry Lawler, and I don't know what to expect from Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz. But what we could expect is the main event being a barn burner between Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega. The two coaches for the return of the Ultimate Fighter is facing off in the featherweight main event at UFC 266. This is rightfully so the main event. Um... And it's going to be a good one. I'm excited. Um, Volkanovski is a negative 160, and Brian Ortega is a plus 140. Um, I got to go with – I'm rooting for Brian Ortega. My heart says Brian Ortega. The, both of these fighters have only lost once in their careers. I got to go in Alex Volkanovski. He's so dominant, man. He's so dominant. It's so hard to, to, to bet against Alexander Volkanovski, but this is such a good fight. This fight has – Fireworks written all over this. I think mixed martial arts as a whole, the art of it is going to be displayed in this fight between Volkanovski and Ortega. I think if Ortega can stay on the feet and damage one by one Volkanovski, um, he would, he's got to have a chance. But it's got to be a cumulative damage. For it's hard to knock out Volkanovski. It's just hard to and. Um, 
I'm just really looking forward to this fight on Saturday night. Just as a whole, Saturday night for UFC 266 is going to be, excuse me, an awesome freaking card. It's going to be an awesome card, and I'm super excited for it. I'm all here for it. Um, With that said, yeah, that's all I got to say about UFC 266. Saturday night, going to be in front of the TV watching that one. Um, and as far as today's show, it was a shorter show today, and I'm no way, shape, or form having a problem with that. I got to take my computer in for to the Apple Store, because um, it's got to get fixed. Like I said, the past th- five years, I could not use my computer without a charger, and I just haven't felt like I should bring it in. But now I, I'm going to be using it more often, so uh, I, I, I just got to get it fixed. I got to get my computer fixed. So that's my goal today. Um, and as far as that's concerned, I will see you guys next week. And that show will be on 88.3 FM Harper College Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week, the pre-recorded show of Monday Mass Sports Talk, the 214th edition of MMST. I will see you guys next week for episode 215. Looking greatly forward to it. So I'll see you then. Take care, stay well, and stay madness.